It's good to be with you today. Over the last couple years, I've been doing my own personal study with scarcity and abundance. As a stewardship consultant, as Kay referred to with Everence, I often have the opportunity to preach and teach in different congregations about how we think about our faith and values and how that connects with what we do with our money. And so, in an authentic kind of way, I don't want to preach and teach about something that I haven't explored or looked at in my own life. And what I found is that I live often in scarcity. And scarcity is so evident in a part of our culture that living in abundance is almost rare unless we consciously make an effort to pay attention to it. Maybe a little story to intrigue you a bit further about this idea of scarcity and abundance. I think it's been about three or four years. Time is hard to measure with COVID, but it was in the first year of us having raised beds in the back of our house. Um, and I say that as a precursor because I was in a Bible study with some women at Everence, and we were talking about what it means to think about creating change in our economic systems. So we were talking about building relationships, we were talking about God's economy, and we were talking about generosity. And in these raised beds, which I have a picture of, I had cucumbers, hundreds of cucumbers. I had so many cucumbers that each day I would pick at least 15 to 30 cucumbers. I was giving cucumbers to my friends, to not my friends. I was giving cucumbers to my neighbors, close and far. I was walking up and down the street every day a little bit farther and a little bit farther. I was convinced people were diving into the bushes saying, run for your lives, the cucumber lady is coming. I got to meet the man um, behind our house who always yells and walks his three dogs. And one day, thankfully, they took unbelievable to me. I mean, these aren't the little cucumbers. These are the big cucumbers. They took 30 cucumbers. I learned a lot about scarcity and abundance in my life with these cucumbers. Let me tell you a few things that I learned. You see, even when I have more than enough, I had hundreds, hundreds of cucumbers. I can still focus on what I don't have. These cucumbers and the abundance of the cucumbers pushed me out of my comfort zone to meet people that I would have never dreamt of meeting or connecting with. They invited me to give in a way that I wasn't going to receive in return. And I realized how much of my giving is transactional. I give and I receive something. Sometimes physically I receive something, and sometimes the gift is in relation kind of ways, in prestige or power. So what would it mean, I wondered, if I gave out of an abundance mindset? in a transformational way, not a transactional kind of way. 
With the overabundance of cucumbers, I realized that it's easy to practice giving when I have way more than I can use. But then I wondered, what other ways do I have way more than I can use? Where is my overabundance? And am I practicing giving out of that? What about when I only have 10 cucumbers? What does generosity and abundance look like when I have only 10? Sometimes I think I shy away from living in abundance when I don't have more than I need. Because I've been taught, there's this little voice in the back of my head that says, don't give if you don't have it. That's not being a good steward. Make sure that you're set, that you have enough, and then it's okay to give. But is that really good stewardship? Probably not. That's scarcity. The cucumbers help me question my motives a bit more. Am I really giving because I'm generous and out of abundance? Because I don't want the cucumbers to go to waste. Hmm. My obsession with not wasting the cucumbers probably drove me to generosity. Is it irresponsible thinking to think that maybe I should really trust God to provide my needs? Or is maybe that relearning the importance of a relationship with God? And what if I give away more than I should, more than I have? Would I start relying on God more and maybe the community of faith? Well, this past year, Andy and I actually did give away more than we thought we had available to give. And it turned out to be an amazing experience. The church came alongside us to care for a family that we cared deeply about, a family that was in need. And I would not have experienced the incredible church community if we hadn't taken that step of faith. Living in scarcity and fear often keeps me from stepping out in faith and trusting that God will provide. Let me pause for a moment and say scarcity, hopefully you've been starting to get this idea, is not about not having enough literally, is not about poverty. There are those among us who do not have enough. Scarcity is a mindset that you can have whether you're rich or poor. And abundance is a mindset that you can have, whether you're rich or you're poor. And in fact, it's probably in my life that I've experienced from those who are in poverty more abundance than I have from those who are rich. That's something I have to think about. These questions of scarcity and abundance are part of our daily lives, and they come out in very simple kinds of ways. In her book, The Soul of Money, Lynn Twist says, the messages of scarcity are pervasive in our culture. There's never enough. Then she goes on to say, I see it in myself. Before my heat feet hit the floor in the morning, my first thought of the day is, I didn't get enough sleep. The next one is, I don't have enough time. Not enough rest, exercise, work, profits, power, weekends, money, I'm not thin enough, smart enough, educated enough. 
always inadequate, she says, and always lacking. And when I go to bed at night, my mind races about what I didn't get done that day. Never enough. So this mindset of, of scarcity goes without being questioned. It, in fact, maybe it's seen as normal. Sometimes it defines our life. It shapes us to our very being. If we believe we aren't enough and we don't have enough, you can see how this mindset of scarcity not only shapes our lives, but our relationships with others and our relationship with God. Scarcity is at the heart of jealousy. Scarcity is at the heart of greed. Scarcity is at the heart of prejudice. Scarcity is at the heart of racism. In scarcity, we compromise our value and chase for more. Motivated by our fears, we abandon our souls and grow more and more distant from our core values. We find ourselves trapped in a cycle of disconnection, dissatisfaction, comparison, and competition. Scarcity is first and foremost motivated by fear. In 2008, Andy and I were in Chengdu when the earthquake happened. It was a great earthquake. We were wandering the streets, trying to find safety, trying to figure out what to do, and we started to notice that everyone was carrying bags but us. I didn't know what, what was in these bags, but soon found or noticed that it was food. And so I said to Andy, we don't have any. I think we should try to find some food, Andy. We went into the first store, and literally the shelves were bare. And then the second, and then the third, and then we just started finding lines where we could join in so that we could have something to eat. Fear and this idea is one of the central ideas of scarcity because fear pushes us to think that there isn't enough. There's not enough to go around. And so I'm going to compete against others to get my share. I'll take care of myself and my family, make sure we're all okay. I turn inward. I trust in myself and my own mechanisms to find a way. This is counter to the idea of abundance or enough. God says there is enough if only we take what we need. We worship a God of abundance that also cares for all of creation, like the song we just sang prior to the sermon. A God who cares for the birds of the field and, or the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. This God of abundance, counter to this idea of fear, over and over and over in the Bible says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There is enough for everyone. You can think of the stories of enough in the Bible. Five loaves, three fishes, the story of manna. Thank you, Eleanor, for your wonderful reading. Lots of stories of enough. There is enough 
care for one another. Instead of turning inward, looking at what you can do to protect yourself and your own, how do you look outward to those who are around you? This is the invitation that God invites us to, and trust in God. Trust in God, not just in yourself. As I was thinking about the sermon, I think it was in one of the first ones, Phil, that you had preached, you were talking about God entrusting to us, God trusting us, and in some ways, this is part of that reciprocal relationship. How are we, in turn, trusting God? In this Exodus story that was read, the Israelites are complaining because they don't have enough food. So God provides manna and quail with the instructions. Did you hear? Take only what you need. Take only what you need. Wow, those are powerful instructions even for us today. Rarely do we set limits on enough, and often excess is seen as accomplishment. But God says, take only what you need, and there will be enough. Next in the story, God instructs them to not store up the excess, to accumulate more than what they need, because if they take more than what they need, what was it, stinky feet? Uh, maggots, mold, decay. It says in the scripture, when they measure what they took, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. This, like other stories in the Bible, is a reminder to care for one another and redistribute what we have to make sure that there is enough for all. Stories in Acts 2, where all the believers were together and held everything in common, selling property and possessions, giving to anyone who had need. In 2 Corinthians 8, we see the example of the Macedonian church. Giving sacrificially, they gave more than what they were able. The idea of not storing up excess is central to Scripture. The last thing that happens in the story in Exodus is God instructs the people to gather extra on the sixth day so that they can rest. They can take Sabbath. Sabbath is a reminder that we are dependent on God. Ched Myers notes that Sabbath disrupts our human attempts to control nature and maximize production. God recognizes, even in the story in Exodus, that there's a tendency that we have towards selfishness and excess, a scarcity mentality, and says, trust, trust me. I'm often motivated by scarcity. But I'm learning how to practice living in abundance, which really means living with enough, not allowing fear to dictate my choices and my decisions, practicing gratitude, learning how to share my excess, and how to trust God and the community of faith that surrounds me. This mindset of abundance that God invites us to live in is a space where we care for one another and everyone is invited to this life of abundance. So I wonder, what is your story 
with scarcity? Where are you finding scarcity in your life? And how might you work to cultivate abundance and generosity? Here are a few questions that you may want to ponder. Probably not all of them, but maybe one of them will stand out for you as you think about this this week. What are your messages of scarcity that you tell yourself? You don't have enough, or you're not blank enough. What are you afraid of? Or maybe this week, as you think about living into enoughness, what would it look like to exercise some self-control or to limit yourself or to take only what you need? How might you work at practicing gratitude? What keeps you from practicing Sabbath rest? I'll admit, this is a very difficult one for me. But what can you learn if you actually practice Sabbath rest? Transforming from scarcity to abundance. How might you begin to live into the grace of enough that God invites us to? Will you join me in the prayer of confession in your bulletins and on the screen? God, we are afraid and often take things into our own hands instead of trusting you. Our fears compel us to do many things that inevitably create inequality, injustice, and insecurities. God, transform our hearts. Help us to name our fears and trust you. God, we are self-centered. We take more than our share. We compare ourselves with one another in an endless pursuit for more and better. We refuse to be satisfied even at the expense of others. God, transform our hearts and help us to be content with you. We pray for those who are hurt, those who have been exploited, and those who do not have enough. We know that this is not how you would have us live as resurrection people. Show us the way of restoration and reconciliation so that we may all have what we need. God, show us the God, we celebrate signs of your resurrection in new beginnings and new life, in the abundance of this growing season, and in joyful sharing with one another. God, we are grateful for your steadfast love and your ability to transform our hearts. Continue to teach us how to practice gratitude and generosity with each other in ways that transform us each day into a community that lives your love. Amen.